An empty expanse of shifting sand dunes, stark white, meander towards an endless horizon. Twin suns orbit overhead, bathing the landscape in eternal light. They leach the strength from bone and water from the body. Carrion birds circle the skies above, tracking future meals that linger onto life. Horrible winds whip up sandstorms that blanket entire regions and conceal terrible creatures of imagination. In the distance, an oasis unfolds before the eye, a glimmering jewel in an otherwise desolate land, resplendent in greenery and bounty, supplied by the vital life force of a rushing river. It's a sight that quickens the heart and invigorates the body, a fleeting image of hope that may just as easily disappear as mirage. Welcome to Amonkhet. A world scarred by its past and cursed to forget. Its people humble themselves before gods who stand above all but the reverent and all-knowing god Pharaoh, whose coming is prophesied to bring salvation and devastation. Amonkhet is a plain of boundless desert, harsh and inhospitable, with myriad ruins crumbling against abrasive sands and damned souls walking the endless wastes. Against this sweltering backdrop stands the city of Nachtumun, an awe-inspiring and bountiful haven that offers respite from Amonkhet's harsh environs, where citizens worship gods, prepare their bodies and minds for grueling trials, and prove their worth to their illustrious god pharaoh. The sun-baked sands of Amonkhet are steeped in mythology and heavily inspired by the real-world cultures of ancient Egypt, illusions that surface in the illustrations, card names, flavor text, and lore of the plain. First and most apparent is the Mirror of Location. The kingdoms of Egypt rose along the fertile soils and waters of the Nile River Delta, which sustained life against the desolate Nubian Desert. On Amonkhet, the city of Nakhtamun was erected along the meandering flows of the Luxa River, a parallel to the Nile, that slakes the city's thirst and fosters its development. We can see its nourishing waters on display in cards like Bounty of the Luxa and Gift of Paradise. Next come correlations between culture, technology, and feats of architectural engineering. Obelisks of solid sandstone dot promenades and market squares in Nakhtamun, while great pyramids and temples of the gods inspire awe and devotion towards the god pharaoh and the gods who rule here. These hearken to ancient Egypt's grand structures the likes of the famed Pyramids of Giza, where great rulers were interred, Luxor Temple where supplicants worshipped, and dozens of uncovered Egyptian obelisks. Like in Egypt, such structures have the written language of Nakhtamun chiseled onto edifices, hieroglyphs, and triptychs recounting the city's history. The everyday life of Amonkhet is greatly influenced by its Egyptian counterpart. Farmers toil daily in irrigated fields, artisans craft earthenware and exquisite pieces of metal, and clothing styles are reminiscent of those depicted in the extant sculptures or images of ancient Egypt. Perhaps the most striking influence is on Amonkhet's religion and deities. The city of Nakhtamun is presided over by the inscrutable god pharaoh, whose rule is guided by a pantheon of five gods that walk among mortals. These gods, like those of Egyptian religion, represent aspects of daily life in abstract concepts. Capricious and remarkably human in nature, Amonkhet's gods are worshipped by supplicants wholly devoted to and fearful of the removal of their favor. They are depicted as a combination of humanoids with bestial visages, claiming heads of birds, reptiles, and mammals. This stands as an echo of Egypt's own expansive pantheon where fickle gods preside over all aspects of life and deem worthy only those that are completely devoted. Gods like Osiris, Isis, and Ra inspired those seen on the plain of Amonkhet. Then comes Nakhtamun's belief in the afterlife and desire to attain eternal salvation from the god pharaoh. They believe that those who prove themselves worthy will be granted the boon of eternal paradise by their god pharaoh, where they can live in peaceful eternity. 
death is not the end in Nakhtamun nor in Egypt, and Egyptian rituals of embalming and mummification, where bodies are prepared for the afterlife, is mirrored in the anointed seen on Amenket the likes of dutiful servant and binding mummy. The majority of Amenket is covered by inhospitable deserts that radiate heat beneath the glare of the suns. The plain is fairly unique in that it has two bright stars in the sky. One charts a course like a typical solar body, while the second traces an unbearably slow route, so that true night never descends upon Amonkhet. This has killed off many species and left room only for the hardiest and most adaptable creatures, which we can read in the flavor text of Blighted Bat. Amonkhet's dual suns don't allow for the darkness of night, so bats are most active under the gloom of the frequent sandstorms. But creatures aren't the only things that have succumbed to the desert's harshness. Entire civilizations, ancient and unknown, have been swallowed and lie buried beneath Amonkhet's sands. Within these ruins, myriad horrors lurk. Demons prey on traveling caravans, and massive worms burrow beneath the surface. Perhaps the most extensive of these are the ruins of Ramunap, the cradle of a once vibrant culture that for unknown reasons perished long ago. We see it mentioned in cards like Ramunap Hydra and Ramunap Ruins, while the daring Ramunap Excavator attempts to glean what information lies under the desert. This ruin exists in a greater geographical region known as the Broken Lands. The plentiful ruins here offer protection from sandstorms and from Amonkhet's twin suns to all manner of desert survivors. Hyenas, vultures, and other scavengers search desperately for water and scraps of meat. The art and flavor text of Giant Spider highlight that there is more to be wary of than merely the desert, as it shows an eight-legged behemoth striking its prey and reads, The broken lands are littered with the remnants of civilizations long dead, and infested by terrors very much alive. Beyond the broken lands lie the Ifnir deadlands, where no mortal dare tread. Here, Amonkhet's demon population stalks the wasteland and fractured monuments of ages past, which has earned it the moniker of Demon's Nest. We see this region on display in the card Ifnir Deadlands and Cradle of the Accursed. Terrible images to send jolts down the spine. The plains demons have a unique physicality. They're slender and wiry, adorned with golden headpieces often horned, and have large bat or dragon-like wings. We can see this highlighted in the art of cards such as Apocalypse Demon and Archfiend of Ifnir. These creatures represent the dangers of ambition, cruelty and greed, and torment the dreams of weary travelers. A vast swath of sand dunes is seemingly devoid of all life, and even winged birds avoid the skies above Shefet or the scouring sands. But the silence is meant to lure unsuspecting prey for Amonkhet's largest and most awe-inspiring predators, the sandworms. Sandworms are massive, excessively aggressive, and highly territorial beasts that burrow beneath the desert sands and lie in wait for the perfect opportunity to strike and consume entire caravans of travelers and pack beasts. The art of Greater Sandworm highlights these terrifying beasts and reads, A sandworm can lie in wait beneath the sands for years, until the slightest tremor alerts it to the presence of prey. The only safe haven is near the rocky bluffs and outcroppings that spring out of the sands, polished smooth by centuries of terrible wind. There's little respite, for giant dune beetles and monitor lizards stalk the glossy rocks. With nothing but sand and heat to sustain them, one might ask how such creatures survive Amonkhet. The desert isn't entirely devoid of water. It's dotted by meager rivulets of muddy water the likes of Ipnu, which support foliage in small creatures, while precious few subterranean wells and springs feed the rare oasis. The card Hashep Oasis highlights how precious such water sources can be for wildlife and trade routes, and how tantalizing they are 
against the backdrop of unbearable heat. The most pervasive threat in the wastes of Amonkhet isn't the large worms that hunt, the shadowy demons that trick, nor even the lack of water, but rather a terrible curse that permeates the plain and affects all things. Known as the Curse of Wandering, this primordial magic ensures that what dies will rise once more as a horrible undead, cursed with insatiable hunger and restless, aimless wandering. The necromantic magic of the curse is innate to the plane and mirrors Amonkhet's own gradual decay towards grueling stagnation. No being is beyond its grip, and the curse promises a terrible fate for all life. Cards like Cursed Minotaur and Tattered Mummy illustrate the horrible transformation and in the flavor text of the latter we get a sense for the curse's consumption. The dead who wander beyond the safety of the city crave only to spread their curse. Like grains of sand, their number is countless, and like the sweltering suns above, their hunger is relentless. The accursed roam the desert in search of flesh to tear and lives to take, and theirs is a fate that awaits all on Amonkhet. Only once the last bits of their own rotting flesh slough off from the bone do these zombies finally find peace in oblivion, as the curse lifts. This is related to us in the flavor text of Scavenger Grounds, which reads, When the last scrap of flesh is scoured away, the curse of wandering ends. Then the dead may sleep. What hope is there for life on a plane dominated by sands and afflicted with such a terrible curse? There is one bastion of civilization, one light in the grim dark of Amonkhet that serves to nourish and sustain a culture dedicated to their patron gods and obsessed with the pursuit of perfection. Noctamun, the everlasting oasis. The only major center of civilization on Amonkhet, Noctamun stands as the lustrous jewel in the desert, erected along the wide banks of the life-sustaining Luxa River and surrounding Oashra River Valley. The river's waters provide a boon that nourishes all who dwell in Noctamun. Rushing streams are harnessed to irrigate fertile farmland, fountains spring forth to quench thirst, and fruit-bearing foliage abounds. All things fill travelers with a sense of wonder, contentment and hope to push back the horrors of the desert. Cards like Cascading Cataracts, Irrigated Farmland and Spring highlight the burgeoning growth sustained by the Lux's waters. But such a brilliant oasis is fragile, prone to assaults from the creatures of the desert and the harsh environment itself. The Hekma, a protective barrier of shimmering water infused with powerful illusion magic, surrounds Noctamun, acting as a border between the city and the dangers beyond. The Hekma is believed by many to be a gift from the god pharaoh, to shelter his people, but it remains translucent, so that the citizens may always be reminded of what lurks beyond their paradise. We see the Hekma on display in the card Protection of the Hekma, whose flavor text reads, Part of the Acolyte's training is to walk along the Hekma, staring out at the ravenous horrors kept at bay by the god pharaoh's barrier. Though powerful, this barrier isn't impenetrable, and as such, the Hekma requires constant guarding under watchful, vigilant eyes. As one steps into the brilliant promenades of the city, one thing is immediately and abundantly clear. Noctamun and its citizens are wholly devoted to a religion that worships an omnipotent, benevolent, and inscrutable god pharaoh, whose absence will end when the second sun reaches a designated spot in the sky and heralds his mighty return at which point he will embrace all his devoted children and carry them to the afterlife where they will spend eternity in blissful splendor. Though their god pharaoh is physically absent, he is present in the hearts and minds of all who dwell here. Monuments are erected to his glory, prayers are spoken in his name, and the entire society of Noctamun revolves around his message and his instruction. We see the city's devotion in cards like Throne of the God Pharaoh, Luxa River Shrine, and the various obelisks erected around Noctamun in the art of basic lands. 
Noctamoon is home to a wide variety of races, but there are five that dominate much of the culture. Humans are perhaps the most abundant, securing places in all levels of society and possessing adaptable traits. They're representative of all five colors of mana. Next are the bird-like Avon that are depicted either with heads of a falcon like Avon Mind Sensor, or that of an ibis like Avon Initiate. Cunning and Stalwart, Avon represent blue and white mana, as they are on a quest for purity gained through knowledge and rigorous adherence to the law. The Kenra are a race quite unique to Amonkhet and reminiscent of jackals. These creatures are zealous and aggressive, showcasing their worth and glory through feats of strength and overcoming difficult ordeals. They are representative of the strength of green and the passions of red, which we can see in Flameblade Adept and Bitterblade Warrior. Like the Kenra, Minotaurs are zealous in their devotion and pursuit of glory, but unlike the graceful jackal, Minotaurs seek to prove their worth through brute strength and physical prowess. Their pursuit of personal glory aligns them to red and black mana. Finally, there are the snake-like Naga that slink near the Luxa and through Noctamoon's vegetation. These creatures are in tune with nature and seek to achieve enlightenment through its understanding, which gives them a strong connection to both green and blue mana, which we see in Slitherblade and Weaver of Currents. The central tenets of Noctamoon's religion revolve around the promise of a beautiful eternity after death in the idyllic afterlife, a future that's rewarded by the god pharaoh only if a person follows the life prescribed in his teachings and proves themselves worthy of his gift. The entirety of Noctamoon society revolves around the pursuit of perfection in hopes that individuals might save themselves from the horror of the curse of wandering and be welcomed into the god pharaoh's embrace. Life on Amonkhet is a brutal struggle for survival. Its people represent hardship and determination like no other. This challenging conflict is mirrored in the trials of the god pharaoh. Those who wish to prove their worth and seek glory for the promise of the afterlife must face five trials. Each is focused on a specific trait the god pharaoh wishes to cultivate in his supplicants, and each represented by a specific color of mana. They are as follows. The trial of solidarity, represented by white. The trial of knowledge, represented by blue. The trial of strength, by green mana. Ambition, represented by black. And finally, zeal, represented by red. Those who begin the arduous task of overcoming the god pharaoh's trials are known as acolytes. From a very young age, acolytes cultivate their strength and knowledge in preparation and form a tight-knit group with others of like mind, spirit, and age. These groups are called crops, and their names are present in cards like Oncrop Champion and Nefcrop Entangler. When sufficiently trained, members of a crop undergo a measurement ceremony to determine their readiness and zeal for the trials, at which point the crop members take on the title of Initiate. Initiates form the bulk of Amonkhet's society, people at various stages in the progression through the trials that toil endlessly on the training grounds and in the libraries to sharpen their skills for the dangers ahead. Inevitably, there are those that die before they reach the final trial, their body consigned to damnation with the curse of wandering, and their path to the afterlife cut short. They are, however, granted a second chance in death to once more prove their worth. The dead that perish dutifully are embalmed in a magical ritual that dampens the effects of the curse and transforms them into anointed, which we can see in cards like Anointer Priest and Those Who Serve, in which Temet Vizier of Nakdamun states, The dead perform all the work here, farming, building, teaching, even embalming their fellow mummies. The living need do nothing but train. What system could be more perfect? Anointed are servile mummified zombies that labor with unnatural restlessness. If they execute their tasks with the utmost deference, they will be promised entry beyond the gates of the afterlife and welcomed by the god pharaoh.
The god pharaoh has entrusted stewardship of Noctamun to five lesser gods in his absence. These gods walk among the people to inspire and educate, as seen in renewed faith, act as leaders and subjects of devotion for mortals, seen in the card pyramid of the pantheon, and the cycle of monuments built to each god, and train initiates for the trials that they themselves preside over. Amenket's five gods are large in stature, possess near invulnerability, and prowess over magical and physical combat. They have humanoid bodies with heads that resemble animals. Each is deeply tied to the color of mana of the trial that they oversee, and each is a perfect representation of the trial's characteristics. The cat-headed Oketra is the white-aligned goddess of solidarity. Like white mana, she holds true to faith, companionship, and a rigid structure in which the individual is benefited by supporting the masses. Her trial tests a crop's bond and its ability to work in tandem to achieve greater goals. Oketra is also responsible for surveying the desert surrounding Noctamun and striking down far-off threats with her great bow before they have an opportunity to strike at the Hegma. Once initiates have passed Oketra's trial, they must face Kefnet the Mindful and the Trial of Knowledge. Kefnet is an ibis-headed and winged god aligned with blue mana. He's a master of illusion magic and arcane spells and he values scholarship, mental acumen, and the power of knowledge above all else. Initiates that enter his trial are stripped of their physical strength and must complete a labyrinth of puzzles and ever-shifting mazes to reach the end and achieve true enlightenment. Kefnet is also steward of the Hekma itself, using his illusion magic to reinforce barriers before a cursed undead or worse can strike at Noctamun. Ronus the Indomitable is the cobra-headed god of strength. He embodies green mana and represents not only physical power but the power of will and ability to adapt to and survive all that life throws. Initiates facing his trial find themselves in an overgrown and dangerous menagerie filled with hulking beasts and venomous predators. To defeat this trial they must tap into their own physical strengths, steal their minds, and become impregnable in the face of danger. Ronus takes the fight to his foes in defense of Noctamun. He actively patrols the wastes beyond the Hekma to challenge foes and test his own indomitable will. Bantu, the Glorified, is a crocodile-headed goddess of ambition. She represents the black-aligned ideals of self-preservation, continual pursuit of personal gain, and victory at any cost. In stark contrast to Oketra's trial of solidarity, those initiates that enter Bantu's trial are forced to make difficult decisions sacrificing themselves or their cropmates, and betraying those around them to ensure they claim victory, driving a wedge of greed between one's comrades. Unlike other gods, Bantu doesn't directly defend Noctamun's border, but rather dwells in the Undercity, where she presides over the embalming process of the Anointed. The final trial that stands between initiates and eternal glory in the afterlife is the trial of zeal presided over by the jackal-headed Hazaret, the Fervent. Hazaret is tied to red mana and perfectly exemplifies its aspects of passion, zeal, and the pursuit of glory. Initiates who gain entry to her trial are henceforth known as glorified, where they are all but promised eternal salvation in the afterlife. The trial of zeal is simple. It's an all-out fight to the death between glorified until only one stands. These warriors fervently give their lives to honor their god pharaoh. The final survivor is then struck down in ceremonial execution by Hazaret herself. She assumes the role of final arbiter, determining who is worthy of a glorious death and entry to the afterlife. She is also the protector of Noctamun. While other gods fight far-off threats or guard the barrier, Hazaret is the last line of defense against threats that might penetrate the Hekma and bring destruction.
This is life in Noctamoon, a struggle for survival against hardship and adversity, the ever-present threats of the desert and the terrible curse that awaits in death, a promise of salvation and escape extended by a benevolent god pharaoh. As the second sun reaches its resting point between the god pharaoh's massive horns, it is prophesied that he will return, banish the darkness, and welcome all to spend eternity in his blessed paradise. But as Noctamoon's populace lies prostrate and the gates to the afterlife open, as the god pharaoh himself alights on the sands, they will face a trial the likes of which they've never seen against the ultimate deceiver. What the people and even the gods of Noctamoon hold as their strongest religious beliefs are in actuality a grand lie, a scheme hatched and propagated by the elder dragon planeswalker Nicol Bolas to create a society that calls weakness, trains elite warriors, and sacrifices them to be used for his own desires. When Bolas first arrived on Amonkhet, he was intrigued by two things, the curse of wandering and the remarkable raw material called Lazotep that interacts with necromantic magic to enhance its powers. Bolas seized the opportunity to use these to fuel his machinations, and he swiftly subverted the civilized culture that existed on Amonkhet before his arrival. Using his immense power, the dragon bent the minds of the gods to his will, deadened their memories, and twisted their purpose to one of devotion towards him. Saving three of the eight gods in hiding for later purposes, Bolas then culled the plane of its entire adult population, transforming them into the first servile anointed and instilling in them the same fanatical devotion as he did the gods. They would remain to raise the younger population with no memory of their past, save for the one Bolas intended. He placed himself at the center of a religion where he was hailed as the messianic savior of the city, where he left to prepare the afterlife for the worthy, and where the living would temper their bodies and minds to the ideals he most treasured as god pharaoh a raw material for him to transform into legions of Lazotep-plated warriors. This brutal rewriting of history is on display in the card's apex of power and patient rebuilding, while the flavor text of Moaning Wall relates this tale. Before the monuments, before the first trials, before Noctamoon itself, Bolas culled the plane of its adults in order to rebuild it for his own designs. The truth quickly reveals itself to Noctamoon with the accounting of hours. When the second sun rests between the horns on the horizon, so begins the hour of revelation, then the hour of glory, the hour of promise, and finally, the hour of eternity. In the hour of revelation, the gate to the afterlife opens, but rather than stand in awe of a resplendent paradise, Noctamoon is witness to the horrific truth as demons soar through the skies, turning the Luxa River red with blood and launching assaults on the unsuspecting. Next, comes the Hour of Glory, which in the flavor text of Nimble Blade Kenra reads, In the Hour of Glory the gods and the untested will prove their worth before the god pharaoh. This is a twisted allusion to the death and destruction Bolas planned. Here, the forgotten scorpion god reveals itself and strikes down Ronis, Oketra, and Kefnet, along with countless mortals, poisoning body and spirit with its stinger. In the Hour of Promise, the Locust God strikes from the desert at the head of accursed undead hordes and innumerable insects of pestilence. It tears down the Hekma and allows the desert to sweep in. At once, Noctamoon is consumed with sand, death, and decay, which we can see in the illustration of a braid. With the Hour of Eternity comes the horrible realization that the afterlife isn't an idyllic paradise, but rather eternal torment as a servant of Bolas. The Scarab God attacks Noctamoon at the forefront of an undead army of Lazotep-plated Eternals, seen in the card that bears its name. Bolas had been using the dead as a source of manpower, 
transforming Amonkhet's most brilliant warriors into efficient, brutal, and completely subservient killing machines. He unleashes his army of Eternals to strike down the living of Noctamun. The death and destruction that consumes Noctamun can't be overstated, as the city is in the grip of a brutal fight for survival against the god pharaoh in whom they had once placed their trust. Cards like Doomfall, Torment of Hailfire, and Damnation highlight the fate of this once glimmering city of hope. It's here that the Gatewatch, a group of planeswalkers including Gideon Jura, Chandra Nalar, Liliana Vess, Jace Bellerin, and Nessa Ravain, who discovered and intervened to stop Bolas's schemes on Kaladesh, have traced the Elder Dragon to Amonkhet and hope to stand in defense of the crumbling city. But there's one more hour that has yet to be recounted. The Hour of Devastation. The Gatewatch bring their full might to bear on Nicol Bolas, but they're no match for the God Pharaoh, who has planned for every eventuality. Using their own strengths against them, Bolas summarily defeats each member, highlighted in the cycle of defeat cards. And the card Hour of Devastation highlights the immense power the God Pharaoh commands and captures the despondent resignation of a defeated Gatewatch. Battered and bruised, the Planeswalkers disband, leaving Noctamun to be scoured by the encroaching sands of the desert its people consumed by legions of accursed undead or felled at the hands of Bolas's god-eternal army. The sheer destruction that has overtaken the city and transformed it into a field of death and ruin can be visualized in the cycle of desert cards that depict the once glorious monuments to the gods. All that remains of Noctamun is the wounded Hazaret who acts as confused but determined leader as she protects the small band of the city's survivors into the shifting sands beyond the horizon. This moment of trepidation is captured in the flavor text of Survivor's Encampment, which reads, What will happen to us? they asked. The vizier paused. I think... I think that's up to us now. The survivors of Bolas's devastation now stand alone, shattered in body and soul, to face the relentless encroachment of the broken lands in a plan that more easily takes than gives. Hazaret, the last remaining god of old, must shepherd her people into an uncertain and dangerous future. But the people of Noctamun are nothing if not resilient. Their solidarity and unbreakable conviction drive them into the vast unknown as nomads, pilgrims wishing to start anew and carve out a place in the shifting sands from which they can write a new future free from the poisons of their god pharaoh. Thanks so much for watching and listening to this video on the plane of Amonkhet Explained. Now I want to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts on the plane. Which god's your favorite? What aspects of Egyptian culture you feel the most inspired by, as well as suggestions for future videos in the comments below. And if you're a fan of lore and storytelling, consider subscribing to the channel or checking out the podcast, where content is uploaded frequently. Again, a huge shout out to all of my Patreon supporters who make all of this possible. I couldn't do it without their spectacular patronage. If you're interested in becoming a lore luminary for access to me, a great community, and early video drops, check out the link below or head to patreon.com slash thelorebarians to learn more. Until next time, go forth and explore the lore.